welcome to Big Job Small Children. My name's Mark McCartney. During this series, we're going to be exploring a question. And the question is, who would work in a place like this? Now, during the next few episodes, I'm, I'm going to be interviewing those responsible for building organizational cultures and those interested in building organizational cultures that are fit for a rapidly changing world. We know it's going to be different, the world we work in, we don't know how, but this is to get you curious about what might be coming in terms of organizational cultures. So what I've decided for this series is to get a diverse range of perspectives, and I'm doing that geographically. So I'm trying to get around as many different countries as I can. So this time we are in Canada and the questions we will be exploring are the same for each different country. And I'm absolutely delighted today that we are in Canada. In fact, one of my favorite countries because I have much of my family, many of my family who live in Canada. And we're joined by Lisa, who is an expert in this field, who I met a few months ago at a conference, an OD conference. And I'm really looking forward to hearing Lisa's perspective on these questions. So Lisa, perhaps you could just tell the listeners briefly something about yourself would be fantastic. Absolutely. Happy to, Mark. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm thrilled to know that you have family in Canada. So that means you might visit and we might actually... <laughs> I uh, hope so. Yeah, face to face. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for the introduction. So my name is Lisa Schmidt. I uh, work for myself. I have a small consultancy called WorkSphere. And my primary interest is in creating the kinds of workplace cultures where people can actually be human and bring their skills and talents and to create opportunities for one another to grow and develop uh, within work and to not just see work as a place to earn money and to have a career, but really to express uh, some of the core things of who we are and to build our skills and build relationships. Mm -hmm. And hopefully all of this contributes to a healthier and happier world. Fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. So as you know, we will be exploring three questions, but the, the kind of feeling is very jazz-like. Let's see what emerges as we riff on these three different questions. And as you know, listening to this now for a while, I'm focusing on working dads in leadership positions who can, who can play their role in helping to create, as Lisa was describing, more humanistic cultures where, let's be honest, we're gonna work more effectively for to get better results, as well as having more of a thriving life outside work. So the three questions, let's start with the first one. So what cultures need to be built in this rapidly changing world particularly kind of culture where we can thrive at work and do great work but also thrive outside work lisa what are you noticing about the kind of cultures that are emerging yeah mark so i'm going to start by saying you know many of us have seen the studies, the literature, the data that say that the vast majority of the workforce is not engaged in their work. Mm -hmm. And this is often not because of the technical qualities of what they do, what people are doing for their work, but it's in fact the culture. 
And what I see organizations do that I don't feel is an adequate response is they go through these huge exercises of determining their values and the associated behaviors mm -hmm. without first understanding how did we get into the mess that we're in right now with our cultures? What is it that we're doing wrong or that we're not focused on that's creating so many A, disengaged people or people simply leaving work that mm -hmm. they might have otherwise found interesting? So what I'm seeing are, are two things. One is a kind of doubling down on let's create a great culture and you know, ensure that whether you're working remotely or if you're coming into the office that you know, we are now talking about our culture. We are doing things to build a culture. But where that doesn't help is understanding what, what went wrong in the first place. So I'm seeing a few little, what I would call bright spots of light where people are taking the time to understand what it is that needs to be happening, what it is that organizations need to be doing, and particularly, what is it about leadership and leader behavior that needs to start shifting in order to help people feel more inspired about the work cultures that they're a part of? And, and that segues beautifully into the second question is, which is what type of leadership is required to enable the construction of these kinds of cultures and this is very very challenging because in terms of leadership i still frankly see the majority of organizations very top down very hierarchical very siloed and they and yet those working in these senior positions they do want to change and and i'm wondering what kind of leadership are you noticing Lisa that is emerging what where are those bright spots and, and what mm -hmm. perhaps what lead what what role does leadership play in building these cultures well leadership plays and you know this mark plays a critical role in shaping the culture because we are all primed uh, from mm -hmm. you know our early days of being in uh, hierarchical family situations or dynamics hierarchical school situations we are all primed to be very responsive to the types of behavior that are going to, you know, I was going to say win gold stars or, um, you know, get the promotion. So, yeah. you know, what 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 really what really helps around leadership is, I would say, role modeling. And I don't just mean role modeling, you know, uh, tasks or or like this is how we do a task or this is a skill set that we need to embrace. But leaders doing what many of us might call their own work, right? Yeah. So if I'm a leader, what am I doing? And this kind of follows on what I said to your first question. What am I doing to contribute to situations in which my team is not engaged? What kinds of things might I be able to look at in my behavior and shift and change and experiment and be courageous and vulnerable enough to admit that I too am on a learning path, because I think the most important mm -hmm. thing that any leader can do is to continue to demonstrate their own growth and development and to not come across as having all the answers that they will then decree to the people who work for them. Yeah, and I, I saw recently that one of the biggest challenges for CEOs is their capacity to listen and fully listen. And I wonder if that's one of the capabilities that is really required in a in the kinds of leaders that we need in the world, the, the ability to deeply listen to themselves and indeed to others. That's such a great point. 
Um, I, I recall years ago when I started off in this field um, that one of the things that I would teach in leadership development was how to have uh, a performance conversation with an yeah. employee as if, and, and I don't believe this anymore, but as if at the time, and I did believe this, there was a script you could follow and here are the things that you say mm -hmm. and you know, and it was, it wasn't coming from an authentic or generous place. It was coming from a, here's how to have a performance conversation. I, I'm tempted to say I'm seeing more of this, although I, yes, I am, but it's very slow of leaders learning, as you just said, to have conversations with themselves, candid conversations with themselves about where they might not have the skills or the capacity to be as supportive to their teams as they might want to be. So my, my real in, invitation to leaders is to not think of leadership development as something you acquire, but something that's within you that you develop in yourself. And that yeah. takes a lot more thoughtfulness and self-awareness and sometimes going into the murkier bits of ourselves that we might yeah. not be so comfortable with. And this leads on to the final question of the three. So this is a podcast for, for working dads. And I believe many working mums are also listening to this as well, who are in leadership roles, who, who I do believe, and I hear confidentially in coaching, do want to work in different types of organisations uh -huh. where it's not about just being present, that family life is an important component of performance at work. So, so the final question is, if someone had kids, or you know, indeed we're about to have kids, and hence they're going to have demands outside work as well as in work, what kind of organisation would they choose to work for? That's the question I'm really thinking about at the moment, because I'm coaching a lot of people, and I'm sure you are, Lisa, as well, mm -hmm. who are really questioning the meaning and purpose in their organisation and actually do not want to be giving 100% of their time, energy and life to an organisation, particularly when they have responsibilities outside work as well. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've encultured ourselves or we've ingrained ourselves with ideas that that career comes before anything in our lives. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this, Mark, where when you ask somebody how they are, they respond that they're busy. Now, yeah. busy is not a feeling, yes. right? Busy, busy is a state of being. And, you know, we've also come to, to accept that if someone's busy, it can excuse poor behavior, like not uh, returning a phone call or not being present. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. But that to me is a, is a false construct. And work has brought us to that place. Work as we know it yeah. right now. One of the things I think that, that is really important for individuals is again, to look at themselves. What are the things that I can do in my own life to mitigate how much space work is taking up in my life? Yeah. But that's not enough. Um, because if you look at the, the way we've designed our organizations and we've designed working life, it is in fact the demands of work that, re that require us to be, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that, that cause burnout and that require us to decide if we're gonna be going to yoga or if we're gonna do more email in the evening. So to me, there's sort of a two-pronged approach people should be taking. And I know you've talked about this before as well for any working parent, working dads, is your physical being, right? Are you sleeping mm -hmm. enough? Are you eating well? Um, are you connecting with people, uh, your friends, with your family? Like, how are you prioritizing your, your emotional and your physical well-being? Yeah. But the other is to work within your organization with people who have the same challenges and to press for change. 
organizations want people to stay, talented people to stay. And I think right now is a prime time and, you know, to use your language in a rapidly changing world mm -hmm. for people who have requests or demands on what it will take for them to be more productive and connected to bring those to the surface and to share them with their organizations so that together organizations and their employees are creating the conditions for people to thrive. And it's very, it's very, very impressive when you find senior leaders with the capacity to be more open, to express how they're struggling with balancing life and, and work, which all of us have been. And there is an opportunity there. Perhaps we started off talking about disengagement. Perhaps that is a way leaders can, can engage those that they lead more. Absolutely. Authentically, yeah. Yeah. Lisa, that is very insightful, very helpful, and it's wonderful to get a perspective from a different part of the world. My name is Mark McCartney. This is Big Job, Small Children.